Welcome back to another episode of Force Proximity. I'm Jonathan, and with me is Megan. This week we have, I think it's kind of a first for us, is it? It's The Red by Tiffany Rice. I was going to say, I'd, you have to know where you're go- where you're headed with that statement well, for it to know if it's a first. This was like, a, I guess Sierra Simone, no, Sierra Simone was a first erotic romance. This might be... But this was like straight... eroticism. Or... Yeah, this was porn in a novel. I know you don't want to classify it as such, but I I feel like it is. I could, but could... also it's so much more than that. <laughs> Not that all I only erotic. Read it, I only read it for the story. <laughs> I have a joke about that in my new. Uh... Oh, you do? Yeah, because she's like. Yeah, in, my, new book? My, in my new book, yeah, Bethany's like flipping through a Playboy on the on the plane <coughs> because she's going to be pho- photographed by like this one particular photographer. She like is like a former Playmate of the Year and like has all the like the newer Playmates under her wing. She's like the mother goose to them all. Yeah, so she keeps abreast, and so she's like, I only read it for the for the centerfold. <laughs> Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, she uses it to like try to like get under George's skin. Oh, okay. So it doesn't work. Spoiler. All right. So you said, where were we going? Well, okay. So our first book, October was like erotic romance month. There's a real fine line between erotic romance and erotica. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody really knows what that line is. I mean, it, it's any line like that is going to be a bit arbitrary and you can argue whatever you want. For me, I think if there is a happily ever after it's a and if there is a hint of anything, excuse me, if anything romantic then it's erotic romance. Yeah. I think Tef- Tiffany Rice, who wrote this, who wrote The Red, which is the book we're reading this week, I think she calls it erotica, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, She is a romance author. She publishes under Harlequin. Um, But her books are always like pretty sex heavy, like, or, or just the theme. We'll get into that later. Okay. Um, Sierra Simone's Priest was erotic romance, like definitely, mm-hmm. because it was all about how they're going to end up together. And they, she uses sex to get them there. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. That is, that is what differentiates like anything erotic from any kind of steamy romance in in erotic whatever erotica erotic romance whatever it is um the sex it doesn't just drive the story it's like it's about the sex and the sex that this couple has is what drives them into coupledom yeah or it what it's what drives the whole arc like the story is told through the sex scenes well, and you can really get a sense of that in this book. I was say before you go too deep into that, yeah. hold off because that's. No, I, I'm not. I'm, that's okay. I was ending there. Okay. Do you want to do trivia first? Do you want me to do my blurb first? No, I want to do trivia first. Okay. 
So this is something spooky, probably the penultimate lead up to Halloween episode. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a spooky October, which I loved. Um, we have one more movie coming next week, um, but this is our last spooky book. And because of that, I have historical Halloween trivia. Okay. So number one, what is the name of the legend the jack-o'-lanterns originated from? The name? Yeah, that's it's the name of a a mythical figure. I don't know. It's, I know they used turnips at first. That's the second question. So Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. Who's yeah, that? That's who it was named after. I don't actually know. I knew that name. I knew the answer to this question. I don't know any more about It came from Ireland, right? <sighs> or the Irish when they came over or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. The turnips definitely came from Ireland. Yeah. So yeah, before jack o' lanterns were carved in, in from pumpkins, what other root vegetables commonly used, Shorty said? Turnip. Turnips. Which has to be really horrible to carve. Yeah. It's all it's isn't it really wet a turnip? No. It's it's pretty dry, is but it? it's solid. A pumpkin is great. Because it's hollow. It's hollow. You just yeah. have to scoop out the seeds and then carve the face into and the you skin. Can, you can eat those too. You can't eat jack-o'-lanterns. You can't eat seeds from a jack-o'-lantern? Oh, no. You, you can eat the seeds, yes. Yeah. I me- I thought you meant the actual pumpkin no, itself. No, 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 no. The seed. I yeah. don't like pumpkin stuff as much as you do. I, I'll eat it. I don't it. think anybody does. I'll eat it, but I don't like... Yeah, I know. I don't go nuts for pumpkin stuff. I know. And I don't go nuts buying it because I know it would just be me eating it. And yeah. I don't want that either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really love the flavor of pumpkin yeah. itself in a baked good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I've added it to like, I add it to everything I, I possibly I, can. I do like pumpkin seeds though. Yeah. Yeah. But carving a turnip, like I had to carve apples the other day. Yeah, for and the mummies. Yeah, to make apple mummies, and that was really hard. <laughs> Can't imagine carving a turnip, hollowing out a solid vegetable like that. Okay, Halloween can be traced back to a Celtic holiday. What's the name of that holiday? I don't know. The something with the veil. Samhain. Samhain. Okay. I don't... You don't know that. Uh, now that you mention it, yeah, I just couldn't, you put me on the spot, I couldn't remember. You've been married to me for 10 years, how do you not know all this stuff about Halloween? Okay. Because I don't love it like you love it. I know. And I try not to talk about the things that I love too much. I don't know why. I feel like I bore people. Mm. Not that you bore me, Mm -hmm. but it's my job to listen to you. We're but, married. Like you have to listen to me talk about football. I get real I don't know. I just don't like I feel like everything I say is really boring, so I don't talk about anything that I'm actually interested in. Well, <laughs> you should stop doing that. Maybe. I I didn't realize I it was a, a bad thing. I learn a lot from the stuff that you talk about. Um, what holi- well, what century was Halloween. Oh, shit, I don't know. It's First introduced. 16th. 19th. 19th, okay. It's pretty late. It's a late holiday. Yeah. Because up until then, it was Samhain. The 19th century is the 1800s, right? 
Yes. So there's a lot of candy companies really pumping out candy. No, that is that, so the untrue. Industrial revolution. No, right they there. didn't even eat candy mm-hmm. in the early Halloween parties. They bobbed for apples. It was <laughs> they sent out their really adorable vintage postcards. <laughs> Halloween was really important to them, to the Victorians. Okay. And it is not the candy companies. <laughs> Max Dennison. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it just so happens Halloween is based on the ancient hol- holiday All Hallows Eve. Yeah. I think that's Alice's line verbatim. Allison. <laughs> Didn't I say Allison? No, you said Alice's. No, I said Allison's. No. You said Alice. I, I said I Allison's. Re- okay, it sounded like Alice's. Yes. Um <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> 1800s, not candy companies. Okay. They had their... And haven't you ever seen... I'm sure I made you watch Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, Yeah. The Halloween scene. I killed them. Yeah. Yeah. And when they go around and throw flour in people's faces. Yeah, and that old dude, like, he, like, pretended he didn't like it, and then they left, and he was laughing Mm -hmm. because he loved the kids. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and they had big bonfires. That, and yeah, it was the total night of mischief in the late 18, early 1900s. That's the kind of old guy I want to be. I think yeah. I, I think I will. <laughs> Me and my dog. Yeah. Uh, Any more questions? Sure. Where did the game of apple bobbing originate? I don't know. England. Oh, I thought there was more to that. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 On Halloween during the 18th century, why would women throw apple peels over their shoulders? Good luck. To see if they would land in the pattern of a man's initials who would become their husband. (laughs) So that's how Halloween as we know it today. Like the Samhain is... Yeah. Is like the holy day for for like pagans. Mm-hmm. Like English pagans, I guess. They're not not druids, the, but the Britons. <sighs> yes. Wouldn't it be the Britons? I learned that in the King Arthur movie with Clive Owen. <laughs> what? True. Well, so that's true. <laughs> um, and, you know, Wiccans and witches still celebrate Samhain. Okay. They don't like the, they'll do the kitschy Halloween stuff. And then they'll like, you know, have a dumb supper. That's really popular. A it's dumb supper? A dumb supper. What is that? It's when you have. Well, I, I know. Okay. <laughs> a dumb supper is when you give Hank broccoli. <laughs> on his plate it's a dumb supper that would be a dumb supper mm. for you too so for for the pagans and for the catholics on the continent alike yeah the day before all saints day all saints day is november 1st 
So this whole thing is supposed to be about November 1st, All Saints Day. It's when you celebrate that like, oh, there are saints and they're very like they're happy in their sainthood. And oh, there are saints. <laughs> we're going to venerate them on this day. Okay. But just the saints. And then November 2nd is All Souls Day and you venerate everyone that's died. So they used to think, and also the pagans have always thought this, was that on the night before, there was just something about that day when the veil would thin. Mm. And this is pretty much a common belief in any northern hemisphere place. So I find it to be true. <laughs> that the veil thins? It Don't you just feel like you can, like... Be with the dead on that day. No. Because I do. I feel it. <laughs> no. I don't. <laughs> I do. And that's why it's my favorite holiday. Okay. Um, I, tell you, I tell you what, when I do feel that is around the, like the, the real holidays, like Christmas. Okay. I don't know why. Is it like warm dead or like eerie dead? Because I feel the eerie dead. No, but I feel I feel like at one warm. with eerie, de eerie dead, like warm, like oh my ancestors ancestors have come before me and I guess I don't know. It just feels nicer. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know of any like ancestral worship that happens during during those holidays. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. I don't know if it was like the dead or anything. It just just feels more spiritual than I guess I don't know. Oh, you're just talking about general spirituality. Yeah. Oh, you said I thought you were talking about like you like you feel the presence of like the dead. Oh no, I never feel that. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I never ever feel that. I Maybe feel in, like in I don't. I don't feel the presence of a particular dead person because I don't have anyone close to me that's that's died. Um. But it's like it's like they're all just there. It's like yeah. they're all up there, like just just right above. And it's like I don't know. Send they're sending down their spookiness, and I feel like a whole lot of good energy on that day. Okay, well, if it's good energy, that's good. Yeah. Did you have any more trivia, or do you want to move on? No, I want to move on because this okay. trivia is boring. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll do my blurb. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Art Gallery the Red is on death's door, and owner Mona St. James made a promise to her mother on her deathbed that she would do anything to keep the red open. At the 11th hour, a handsome, sophisticated, posh British man <laughs> is in the gallery and makes her an offer to save the red. The catch is she must submit herself to him whenever he comes calling for an entire year. Mona doesn't think this is what her mom had in mind when she said, do anything, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Mona agrees and is given a warning every time Malcolm, that's our hero, is about to come collect. He leaves her a ribbon. It's a ribbon, right? Yeah. On a page, like in an art, in a, book. In an art book for specific painting. Each sexual experience is based on that picture. Some are light, some are violating. 
<laughs> Mona loves all of them. <laughs> Good for Mona. All right. So, basically, I summed up the plot. Mm-hmm. But there is more to this book. Way more. Now, if you want to read it just for the eroticism, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to read it for the eroticism and a pretty cool story, you also won't be disappointed. And really just a well-written book. Yeah. This is like, this book... I would give to anybody to read, forgetting all the sex in it. Like, oh, if you want a good writer, read The Red. And then this and person be, said like, person. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> or they would thank you. Oh, for... I forgot. There was so much sex in it. It's I just all, really like the writing. chapter. Every single chapter. Yeah. The except whole... for like the first one. Well, if this is not this is not your typical romance. No. This is not... Like, meet cute happens at 10%. The whole 10 to 50% is getting to the sex scene. The 50 to the 80% is, like, them being in their element together. And then you have, like, the dark night. And then you have the makeup. So that's, like, the typical romance structure that Mm -hmm. every book will follow. And this does not at all. This, This is woman is in dire straits. At 1%, she meets the hero, which I wouldn't even... That's a very loose term. Yeah, is he a hero? (laughs) Is there a hero in this? Yeah, there is a hero. There is a hero. It just... I think there's two. I think there are two heroes. Okay. Um, And they're having sex at like 5% because the whole story is the sex scenes. It's kind of like... If you're watching one of those movies or even a book that takes place and it's like a cyclical kind of thing, like um, I'm trying to think of a book that does this. Movies do it more often where it takes you – Meet Me in St. Louis is a good example. Mm -hmm. Meet Me in St. Louis is about a family going through the year. You go season by season. And every season, it starts off with a Victorian portrait of their yeah. huge Queen Anne Victorian in in St. Louis. And it's gorgeous. And it's just this perfectly drawn Courier and Ives portrait of whatever the house looks like in that season. And then the, the portrait comes to life and you're fully in that season. Like, so it starts out in summer. Kids are running on the lawn, chasing the ice truck. Like, the women are, like, singing about their next-door neighbor boy. They're washing their hair, and they're so excited for the World's Fair. And then the next season, like, it opens with the spooky music and the same image, just creepified, because now it's autumn. Yeah. And the only autumn day you get is Halloween. And then... And then it does the same thing in winter and spring. winter and then spring and like spring like kind of comes around again. But that's how they structure it. Yeah. And if you have a book or a no- or uh, a book or a novel, same thing, movie. a book or a movie that's going through something 
calendric. I don't know. Cyclical. This really, this didn't though. But I feel like it did. It's like, but it's taking, it's taking the art. It's like, now we're doing this. And it it wasn't a calendar. Now we're doing this. No, it's going by these portraits that they're, he's creating tableaus and we'll get in. I think, I think the only one that really, not that any of them were bad, but the one that the, the last one is the one that really tied in. More than any other. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, the whole point was these people are getting to know each other, but this guy only shows up once. Once. Like once a month, but then it starts getting more, less frequent. Yeah. So then it's, he shows, he propositions her like, uh, I want to have sex with you and I'll pay you an art and I will save your mother's gallery. Yep. Point blank. She says, fine. I like sex. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. You're hot, and I need to save this place. She thinks about it more than that, of course, but not that much more. But she's yeah, but she's okay with it because yep. because good for her. Yeah. Like if I finally get my like my women it, should be getting something for the for sex and in a book. We we'll, we can get into that when we do our character analysis. Yeah. But it's like a win 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 all I know. the way around for Mona. I know. So. So it's not set up to be like a, they meet, they get to know each other, they fall in love, something happens. They they meet with the intention of never falling in love. And so they just get to have a good time. Mm-hmm. So it shows them having a good time. But then there are these other things woven in that it makes it, it just like it's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, let's have a good time and dress up as nymphs and satyrs. Let's have a good time and and shove this orangina bottle in your in your vagina. Yeah. Like it's I mean those things happen, but I, mean, I don't we're know. A good I, time for her. I even I know we're gonna talk about the like the specific acts they do, but taking it out of context feels like like these things are the the acts that they do together are sacred. Like that's how much how much good this book is. <laughs> yeah. That's how well written it is. It is. All right, so do you want to get to the character analysis? Uh yes. All right, so the heroine I didn't write anything long. I just wrote like bullet points and then we'll go from there. Heroine is Mona St. James. Mona Lisa St. James. Yeah. Like Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa Vito. Yeah. (laughs) Mona Lisa St. James. So I wrote, loved her, tough, adventurous, and dedicated. Yes. (laughs) I, and you know what? You loved her. Yeah. We don't know much about her. Nothing. And that's, that is the brilliance of Tiffany Rice. Yeah. Like that right there. Well, I know what I need to know about her. She has red hair. And no, we, no, no, no. We not... know the choices that she makes, how she does the mental gymnastics to get herself to make those choices. I mean, and that, that is all we need to know. I think I meant but to write decisive and not dedicated. Very decisive. She's both. Yeah. Where she's like, well, I have this problem. Here's a solution that I kind of like. Most people would scoff at it, but I'm going to take it because I like everything about it. So let's do it. Yep. 
there wasn't much hesitation on her part. That was a cool thing that Tiffany Rice did. I liked that. I really appreciate that. I feel like other other offers would have had her spent like a chapter or two hemming and hawing and talking to all these bullshit side characters that we don't need. I know. But she made up her mind. She talked to the cat and decided it. I I'm writing I'm writing a female character right now who's who's the strong one in any room. Like put her in any room, she's the strong one. Yeah. And that is really hard to write. Mhm. Because I'm used to writing like women who think so poorly of themselves. They're second guessing everything and that's just like oh, that's just immediate like I know how to get behind this character because you know, she I, has to think so long and hard about everything. It's really hard to write a strong I, I character who doesn't need other people's opinions to make a decision. And I don't think that's a woman thing. I think that's people. Like, there's certain personalities that are strong, that are decisive. Yeah. In every situation. I am, I can be decisive in certain situations. Not every situation. I'm pretty decisive. I don't, in the sense that I don't require anybody's input from, from my decision making. It depends on what it is. Yeah. I think sometimes you do require it from me just out of like respect for my feelings. Yes. And whether, and we usually agree on major things. We typically agree. Yeah. There are certain things like if it involves Hank, it's like <sighs> both parents have to make this decision. Yes. Of course, I'll defer to you and I'll uh, I'll talk to you about things. But I guess I've never been a person who sought input because I've just relied on my own sense of mm-hmm. well, <sighs> what I should do. So I, I appreciate that about... I appreciate seeing that in a character. And she's alone, so she she can make those quick decisions. Yeah. She doesn't really have to console. You know who else counsel. was alone though is um the woman from Shipped. Yeah. She was alone, but she was still that like, uh, let me call my friend. Yeah. And see if I should do that. And even though I hate my sister, I'm still going to ask her for her advice. Yeah. And it's, I think that's how most people are. It's just. Well, because you want, they want reassurance. Yeah. And you need conflict. Yeah. You need something to do with your words. Yeah. You need, as an author, that's, that's, I mean, what else are you going to do? You have to fill up pages. (laughs) most people don't have whatever brilliance that tiffany rice has to to create these really compelling characters that where she's not relying on their faults to to be entertaining Mm -hmm. that's what's is so interesting about her and it's true of all of her characters across the board like pretty much all of the characters that she writes, except for the random men that float in here and there in all of her different books, you see faults in them and you see a really good. Actually, there is a notable side character in this 
like the Sebastian, the art dealer uh, that floats in. He's not. He's notable. Okay, so I do have that. So wait till we get there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I really liked Mona, and I so know I. it's this book starts off with a bang. Yeah. And I was, I was on page two, and I was like, wait a minute, I have to start over. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are already into the meat of the story by yep. page two, but it doesn't feel rushed. No, this is like I need to like read this all over again because I need to study how she how, how she, she did that does anything. Like how do you so expertly layer everything? Do you have more on Mona, or do you do we want to move on to the hero? No, I want to move on to the hero. Basically, my takeaway from Mona is that. You know, in, in every other book, we have to have some kind of, I looked in the mirror and twirled my blonde curl around my finger as I put my mascara on and blinked my blue eyes, like, coded, this is what the character looks like, but really terribly coded. Yeah. Because there's only so many ways you can describe your own character from their point of view. Like, yeah. that's weird, like... My beautiful sinewy curves felt really great against my hand. Like, you can't write that. Yeah. So, uh, but we just skip all that here. Mm -hmm. We just know that Malcolm thinks she's gorgeous. She has, like, fire engine red hair to match the gallery walls. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's all we know about her physically. And what? I like that she's not described because it leaves her this like amorphous. You can put a face on her. I, like I think I never did because I think it added to the spookiness. Yeah, I don't think I ever put a face on her. Uh All right, Malcolm. Okay. Loved him. Yeah. He was assertive and confident. Like Yep. That's all you need to know about him. Yeah. <laughs> Assertive and rich. Yeah. And uh something was off. <laughs> like Therein is the hallmark of a Tiffany Rice Tiffany he, Rice he was hero. Assertive, confident, rich, sophisticated. Was he even real? <laughs> <laughs> was this guy even a real thing? So <laughs> No, and this not is... saying that like, oh, he's a perfect dude. No, like, was this dude even fucking a person? I know. Like, <laughs> we you couldn't... get to the end and you still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's Tiffany Rice. Like, that's all of her men are that way. We have like, <laughs> we have Soren, who is rich, confident. What are all those things you said about Malcolm? Assertive. Assertive. Sophisticated. Sophisticated. And, not and a sure priest. If, and not sure if he even exists. <laughs> and a priest in Soren's case. And then you have Kingsley, who's like the leader of the sex club in the original mm -hmm. Sinners. All of those things. And, well, he's basically, he's basically Malcolm, the Malcolm who lived. Because he's just like debauched. Yeah. But very nice. And then you have... I even read a little bit of her other Halloween book, which is called Her Halloween Treat. And it's a Harlequin 
flame. I don't know, something with fire. Um, the Harlequin line with fire. And, uh, and I was like, this guy, like, I was like, how does Tiffany Rice write a construction worker? <laughs> <laughs> this cannot be. And she did it. She, she did or did not? She wrote Malcolm with a hammer. Oh, <laughs> so she didn't. No. <laughs> but that's what I want from a construction worker, so I was okay with it. Oh, okay. Um, but read that book, too, because that was also very good. And if you want to... What is it called? If, it's called Her Halloween Treat. Her Halloween Treat. Okay. If you want Tiffany Rice being her vanilla best... It's that one. Which was... This is probably her only vanilla sex book. Um, I was like, wait a minute. There's no blood in this book. <laughs> There's no, like, burning and whipping. and. Oh, yeah. There was whipping in this one, wasn't there? Yeah. With the, the riding crop. Yeah. Beat the shit out of her. Yes. And she liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that scene. Yeah. Um, well, but anyway, yeah, all of her men are are this kind of archetype, but she does it really well, and I'll never get sick of it because that is exactly what I want to read in my romance novel is a Tiffany Rice hero. Okay. All right. Notable side characters. I said Sebastian, but not really. Yes. <laughs> he I... He was there to let us see Mona become a boss bitch. Yeah, in and I I ah, I just I love that she becomes that boss bitch by like getting fucked. Yeah. Like which is like everything is just turned. And I I think like anything BDSM does that, which is why the psychology of like a BDSM scene is so great if a writer can write it well yeah because everything is just like it's like a topsy-turvy world and you think that like the person doing the beating has the power but they don't it's like the submitter that has all the power and this is sort of the same Mm -hmm. thing like and this shows a guy that was using sex to he was raping her basically yeah that that's what he was doing yeah because he was coming from a place of hate yeah he didn't want to yeah he wasn't he felt he felt diminished so to try to make up for it he's like pounding her hard and she's like nope sorry dude right and they didn't talk about it they'd already sort of broken up at that point who and then her and that guy and because they already had their falling out they had their loving sex scene in the bed and then she's like no i need more i need more he just couldn't handle that he's like he's like you're an he says you're an animal yeah like like, i thought she wanted like to she wanted him to put his whole fist in her and he did but he he did he's like i can't do horrified yeah and she and then it and then she found out or he realized that she was being paid in paintings. Yeah. Paid for sex. He calls her a whore and she's like, yeah. Yeah. So what? And then- I then have the what o- you want. Then they go in the office and I, I guess it's a rape, but not really because she's like- That's totally rape. Was it? That's, that's yeah. Okay. 
So it constitutes a sexual assault. She turns okay. it. She turned it. She against she him. Doesn't but, allow it. Yeah. Because she she like takes the power away from even that act. Yeah. Like that was supposed to be like a him. He was so angry that he's doing this to her. She doesn't accept that. And she is like, no, 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 you don't get to do this to me. I'm going to take pleasure out of this. Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy you doing this to me because I know you don't want to be here, but I still want this to happen. Yeah. So I, what? That's brilliant. And then she has a sketch, a Descartes sketch, right? Yeah. And he goes, that's fake. She goes, how do you know? He's like, I just know. She's like, all right, I'm going to rip it up. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so she's like, I don't like Descartes. You want it? You can have it. So he takes it. She goes, who's the whore now? I know. I just paid you in paintings for sex. Mm-hmm. And he took it and huffed and left. I know, but he still took I think, and but the he way still it's took written, it. The way it's written, like he left with the painting. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. That was, that, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. All right. What worked? So the story being told through erotic scenes, I finally got it. Mm-hmm. Like you told, you'd always say, yeah, the sex scenes, they, they push the story. There's the, some, they should be pushing the story in even a rom-com. Yes. Like you don't include a sex scene unless it does something. Luckily, built into a sex scene is all the emotion of the love. So it always does move the story along. But this one but actually this was the, the story. This was the plot. Yeah. Yeah. So that worked. Yeah. And what also worked is I couldn't even tell if it was real, a dream, or she was tripping. Yeah. So that was also cool. Yes. Like, I would read parts of it. I was like, and I told Meg, like, I think Malcolm is Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think he's Zeus. It sounds like Zeus. Because Zeus would, like, come down and, like, that's how Hercules got made. Mm-hmm. He impregnated a mortal woman. Mm-hmm. And the more he's like, nah, it's not Zeus. And but it kept me, I kept trying to figure it out. I never did. And is he is he the devil? That's what Mona I kept asking. I never thought he was the devil. I no. never thought he was the devil. No, I thought I he could either. possibly be God before I thought he could be the devil. Yeah. But because I, you have the, you get the sense that he's intimately acquainted with the devil. Yeah. But he is not the devil. So that was cool because mm-hmm. you just didn't know what Malcolm was. Yeah. Because you never, you, she never wrote him coming in or out of the gallery. He was just there. Yeah. And I think the fact that we don't have side characters except this guy, Sebastian. Who is meaningless. Yeah. Um, We don't have, she doesn't have other people. Well, she. Yeah, until the end with Gabrielle, yeah. her, her assistant. She doesn't... Who's something spooky about her, too. Yeah? I thought so. We don't have anybody to help her fact check. Like, no. What is going on? Like, we don't have anybody, you know, hey, wake up, sweetie. You've been shaking all night. Have you been having night terrors? Like, that's yeah. how it would be in a rom-com. Yeah. 
Like their roommate waking her up because, you know, she was moaning in her sleep or something like that. Or you don't have, you know, beeping in a hospital. You don't have any of that. This this whole story exists in this like vacuum mm-hmm. that is the red. It's all in there. Yeah. Except for she ventures out to Sebastian's shop. Mm-hmm. And a couple times it was in her apartment maybe once it was in her own apartment what was just a scene oh yeah and then the end yeah and that's it the whole rest of the time is in the red yeah and it's then while in the red they're not in the red (laughs) yeah and that the red turns into something else something like she's like how is he getting in here and changing this whole place how is there sunlight in here Yes. In the middle of the night. How is he doing this? Yeah. And that's that's the satyr and nymph scene is where you really. That's when you first. Know something supernatural is going on. Right. Because the first scene. The first scene could have been in any studio. It was just. Yeah. Dark with lights, a box. It was just, oh, here's a guy who's really good in bed. Yeah. And he knows what she wants and needs before she does. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing. It's like, you can buy that. Yep. You can, because you're reading it, and like, probably nobody actually exists that can read a woman's body so well. Yeah. But that's another mark of a Tiffany Rice hero. Like, they all know exactly what the woman needs. She doesn't have to say anything. She just has to, like, faint about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we get, yeah, we, then we get to the nymph and satyr. That's where you know something, something's not of the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Did anything not work for you? I had mm. two things. Okay. One, Malcolm, like, willing to share Mona. Mm, I, I know it works for the story. That just doesn't work for me in real life. Who did he share her with besides the last scene? The four guys? I don't... I think they were all him. Were they? hmm Oh. Just moving around, and she just couldn't see because she was... No, I think... Oh, he multiplied himself or yes. something? Okay. That's my That's my theory. Okay. I... I sure. That's my fan I, theory. I don't think it doesn't fit. I, I think the only extra person he was willing to... I don't... Because I don't think he would share her. Was the end. Was the end. And that was sort of like keeping it all in the family. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I was okay with that. Okay. I thought it was... There's little... always some real boundary pushing. Yeah. That was a big boundary to push. Yeah. Uh, what also didn't work? Us not reading the book at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, it's steamy. <laughs> you had already read it, and I read it. I was reading it on my own. I thought you were going to be just so, you know, clutching your pearls about this that I thought, like, I'm, I was I'm like, he's going to kill me. I'm done like, doing that. Just, I, have read to, this. I have to lean into this. Yeah. And we probably won't read erotica again unless we eventually, like, Circle back to t- more Tiffany yeah. Rice. Um, 
because I don't love it. Yeah. Like, I love Priest by Sierra Simone. And you love this one. I love this one. Maybe you do. You just haven't read enough of them. No, I haven't, because a lot of them, a lot of them are poorly written. They're just churned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Rice has a like the uh, a theology degree, or I think she dropped out in her third year of seminary. So she, if she doesn't have her Master's of Divinity, like she's very close. Uh, or even or a doctorate. To me, like that, like there's nothing really spiritual about this. It's it's spooky and it has a lot of myth, but it doesn't. But there's nothing spiritual about it. But the fact that she has so much theology training, I think that's what lets her write such great erotica. Yeah, because she can wrap her mind around all these crazy like this like I, going back to the psychology of BDSM and you get to see it in the whipping scene in this pretty much her original sinner series is nothing but the psychology of BDSM like the first book there's a there's a scene where Soren is basically taking taking this uh, Nora's editor around the club, the sex club, mm-hmm. and explaining what this lifestyle is all about. Like, and so we get to see it there. Like, he's just laying it out. Yeah. Like, this is this is why we do what we do. This is why people like it on both sides. This is like everything is not what it seems. It's just this topsy-turvy world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 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 her book five, it's Soren meeting Eleanor and grooming her for that world. So we get to see it from that perspective, too. Like, he is making her an insider because he knows she already is. He's just, you just need a lot of training yeah. to do that. Do. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> It's not like you can't jump. Hey, in. honey, do you want to like spank my ass tonight? It's <laughs> not that. No, this is not that at all. Um, but and I don't love it. I don't. No. I don't enjoy reading about it from anybody except for Tiffany Rice because it's just like fascinating. <laughs> Psycho psychology is fascinating, and we'll see that in when we get to the the scene. Uh, which one? Well, I guess we're not going to talk about our favorite scenes, are we? No, we took that out. We did? Yeah. No, I thought we were going to go to our favorite sex scene. Oh. We, well, that, that was just something we were going to throw in because of this book is just all sex scenes. Okay. Well, should I just throw, throw in mine now? Because that's what worked for me. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So I want to talk about the whipping scene because that's what works for me. Okay. Which is also my favorite sex scene. Okay. Um, and now I have to change the spot in my notes where I was. Why is it your favorite? The psychological stuff? Yeah. 
And I, I don't think it can. I don't know what this world is like in real life, but in Tiffany Rice's sex scenes, in her like BDSM scenes, or her like they're not. It's not BDSM. It's like it is dominance mm-hmm. and masochism. Dominance and masochism that she's okay. displaying. There's no. I don't think there's any bondage involved. Mm-mm. And Mona's not really submitting. No. She's not a submissive. And it's not like a dominant submissive role. But they're using, he's using like dominance. Malcolm is using dominance in this. um, In order to pleasure her better. And so first of all, I really like the, I, the concept of finding your strength based on how much pain you can take. I th- I think that's really interesting. And it gives you like that's I don't know, it's really cool. I'm kind of exploring that in my in my next book. Like I don't have any true like masochism, but there's like there's hints of it. Mm-hmm. Um there's hints that both of my characters could be this, but they like it's very vanilla at the same time. But they use the psychology of I use I'm using this psychology of BDSM in my next book without having actual any BDSM. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's uh, I don't know, it sounds stupid. Um, I'm probably taking away the part that everybody likes, <laughs> adding in the boring part. Um, no, you wouldn't. People would like whatever you write. They thanks. So, yeah, we start out, he's just, oh, he has a riding crop. The riding crop. I'm thinking caning. So he has the riding crop and he's dressed like an equestrian. Mm -hmm. He's dressed like probably, are we doing spoilers? I think we should have no spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. Um, So he's dressed like an old guy getting ready to ride his horse. Um. And he comes in with the riding crop, and she's kind of like, "Oh crap! What are, what is in store for me tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and he tells her right away. And I I also really like this. And I don't know, I don't know if it's like BDSM culture mm-hmm. or erotic novels or. Or just dark romance novels in general. There's a thing that the heroes do when they're... I feel like so much of normal real life sex is like, let's trick you into doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh, Let's trick you into this position. Let's trick you into bed to begin with. Let's trick you into blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Or let's not give you the whole thing. Or let's not talk about anything and we'll just do it and ask ask for forgiveness later. This, these types of people, and I, again, I don't know if it's the erotica or if it's the, like, the BDSM lifestyle. I really love the, let's lay everything out on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you every single thing I'm going to do to you. Yeah. And you'd think it would be this, like, you know, ticking the boxes, 
And it doesn't end up being that. It becomes like way hotter because you, it's like that is foreplay in and of itself. Yeah. Like the laying it all out, like this is what we're going to do. This is like, yeah, you can say no. You're going to like it. So you're not going to want to say no. Yeah. So then it's not. Is it, yeah. Th- at some point it says, I'll stop if you want, but you're not going to want me to. Right. Um. I'm trying to find there, there's like a lot of quotes that I wanted to read from the scene. Well, oh, and then there's uh, this is when she starts to love him. Also, the crop, the riding, the crop riding scene. crop scene. This is the it's 50 percent of the book. Yeah. So this is the turning point. This is when she's like, oh, crap, I'm in love with this man who shows up and treats me like a whore. For four times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he said, don't don't love me. I, I'm i not going to be here for you. And he he's already laid that out on yep. the table, too, and which I also appreciate. You're going to have to read to find out why. Yeah. I don't think we should tell them. No, I don't. That's I don't think I'm so saying. either. Yeah. I think this is one you guys have to read. Yes. All 12 of you that listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> because this has such a great ending. Yeah. And you'll see why it's so perfect for this time of year. Um and and she's starting to love him and and he says you won't love me next time. And <laughs> so enjoy it while you can. Mm-hmm. And and then he says um he says you only love me tonight because of the beating. You understand that, don't you? And so, and yeah, like she, but she doesn't feel shame about it. No. This is, I feel like it's one of those, uh, it's classy if you're rich, it's trashy if you're poor. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like abusive men are just like sexual dominants that haven't been trained right. Uh, I'll let you run with that. I'm not going to touch no, it. No, I'm not running with that. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything with I'm that one. I'm curious. That is not even a theory. It's yeah. just that, hmm, it's I'm a, curious. It's a like, fleeting thought. What if they took all the abusive men and just trained them to be sexual dominance? Because they, like, I if think... you have something in you that is, like, that monstrous that needs to come out and you will let it out in a little bit, little tiny bit increments... And you know, and you're trained how to keep it safe. Yeah, maybe that's the answer. Because abusive men aren't abusive all the time. No, they're great people the rest of the time. That's how they get their victims to stay. Yeah, that's. Huh. I don't know. I don't know I'm, how you even start. You don't analyzing that. <laughs> you but... don't. Uh, and I'm not like making light of domestic of course, violence of at all. Not. Of course not. Um. And abusive women, too, because yeah. a lot of domestic violence is women doing the abusing. Um, so, uh, okay, so then he beats her. Like, it feels like it's within a, an inch of her life. But I love the idea, like, he's going to make her, like, red and white, like candy cane. Yeah. And I think that he actually says that later. He does. But um, I don't know. I really like it. 
I mean, not that I want to be painted red, red like a candy cane. <laughs> I have no interest in like participating in this life personally. We but like I just reading about really it. Like, I like reading about it in this instance. Okay. Um, and then the sex starts because he gives her a hundred lashes, mm-hmm. and he's going to give her a hundred strokes. And she's not allowed to have her orgasm until... He gets to zero. They get to zero. And that is written amazingly. Yeah, I was going to say that part was... So well written. It was like suspenseful. Yes. Because it's... the whole This whole time you're reading this book, it's like, how is this even possible? (laughs) First of all, it's how is it even possible? How is she going to get to 100 lashes like of the riding crop like how is she going to make it because he makes her count and she's counting and like and she's describing her pain mm-hmm. and it's just it's visceral and her reaction is just so great and it's like i this it sound it you can't do anything but quote it but i'm not going to quote that part um but she's she's like she feels no shame she but she's in so much pain like every lash is just like ripping apart her soul but she wants more mm-hmm. and it's just like oh my gosh there's so much going on how do you write this how do you write this so perfectly she did and then and then he's starting to have sex with her and so he penetrates her and like he's soft and gentle and like and everything he's like touching her body and like soothing all of her welts and and well, they're not bruises yet, but they're going to be. <laughs> and, um, so then he starts having sex with her and and he makes her count down and she cannot come until zero. Yeah. And so and she's writing and she she's counting down and she's again, she's in between the numbers. She's describing how it feels and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And so I will. So at like. Let's see. She's on. Oh, he tells her, by the way, darling, if you come before 100, you'll see a side of me you won't like very much. So she count, she counts down 91, 90. The counting kept her from climaxing and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to count skip to 71, 70. She would have given anything to have her ankles free so she could move her legs. She wanted to spread more for him so he could pound her right into the base of her stomach. The very thought of her made her inner muscles twitch. 61, 60. Her throat hurt from breathing so hard. She could still taste the salt from sperm in her mouth. 51, 50. Mona pulled on the bonds that held her wrists fast to the bed, anything to relieve some of the excruciating tension in her body. But nothing helped. She was wound tighter than a clock. 41, 40. And it just keeps keeps going going like like that. that. It's like, how can this get more tense? Yeah. But it can. And And it it goes. And then two and one. And the dam burst inside of her. And it's so, I don't know. I'm thrilled by the writing. And by the the fact that there was, like, of course it should be written that way. There is no other way that the scene should have been written. And then when it was done, it was just, like, 
so perfect. It's like there is no sex better than that that sex. <laughs> <laughs> the, these two people. That is all the sex in the world. And they they had it all and good for them. Yeah. <laughs> um but but it was only that scene that was written that way because every scene has Everything its own was different. style. It was like an anthology within the one book. Yes. It really was. Yeah. But it all came together because it was all they're all like recreating these like Victorian it, tableaus it did. sort of. Like each chapter scaffolded off the next, off the last. Yeah. Until you finally got to the top. And you have her, they're they're having wild sex to start with. Yeah. The very first scene, he's, it's not an Orangina bottle like I thought. It's a Perrier bottle, but like one of those long bulbous Perrier bottles. Yeah. And he like, he puts it all the way inside her and makes it keep, makes her keep it in there. And she's like, I can't take it. But then she does. And... (laughs) It's like, well, how is that going to be topped? And then she tops it. And it's like, every time it gets how is that going to be topped? And then she tops it. And then how is that going to be? Oh, riding crop. That's old hat. But then it's like, oh, my God. That's that's like. It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't top that. And then it gets dark. And it's like, whoa, that was that was like psychotic. And then it gets like brighter and happier again and it's just everything is it's just these sex scenes go weird places and it's always exactly where it needs to be for this for this book and this couple and i don't know it just like the writing of it just blows me away i won't even have a favorite sex scene because i can't follow what you just had so <laughs> well you like the nymphs and the, the nymph and satyr because it was I, light it was the most vanilla i yeah, think it even was though light. it was a orgy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so i think you answered the next question pretty well too how well do you think the author built the world amazingly mm. <laughs> so we yeah. won't even go into that favorite character was yours mona because mine was mona or yeah. was yours malcolm yeah. no mine was mona yeah uh, how did the- Malcolm? You you get the sense that you can't ever fully trust him. You, yeah. How did the character change to the story? Mona just became a boss bitch by the end of it. Yeah. And that's how she changed. Yeah. She just really owned it. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the BBL one through five. One being not steamy. Five being super steamy. I gave it a six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is off of the charts. Yeah. So, and I we managed to do this whole episode without giving anything away, uh, which we never do. Is so good because then you're the whole time where you're thinking like, how is she going to top this sex scene? How is she going to top this sex scene? It's not just that. The whole time you're thinking, oh, I. This couple, okay, it's not going to end well for them, but I'm, I don't care. We don't care. Yeah. What do we care? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they're kind of cute. Like they're, they you start kinda rooting work, for they them. They kind of work together. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you're like, oh, she loves him. Yeah. <laughs> I want them to be together. And then it's like, oh, no, they cannot be together. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, it's okay again because he loves her too. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, 
but they don't end up together. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. Like, how is this going to end? You, how? Where is this going to go? We're not going to tell you. No, we're not. You need to read this. No. Yeah, you do. And I don't know if there's a good way to end this episode. <laughs> we'll just... A good way to end would be like a really steamy quote, but... No. No. Well, that was The Red by Tiffany Rice. Go ahead and read this one. If Just read it. I think this is her best book. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because I... Sw- the, out of a 400-page book in uh, the first of the original Sinners... This is a there's, quick read, too. There's a scene that takes place for, like, 200 pages. Oh, yeah. A- <laughs> it's, like, one long... We're just going to cut the... Turn the whole middle of the book into one long Soren Explains BDSM scene. Okay. And it's like, he's verbose. So, so uh. yeah, stylistically, this is, I think this is her best, her best work. Okay. Well, The Red by Tiffany Rice. And we will catch you next week with a movie episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.